You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, good morning. My name is Doug. I'm the pastor here at City Church Downtown. And if you're new, I think you'll find us to be a very diverse tribe of people. So it doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. It doesn't matter whether you're a biker who wears leather or a biker who wears spandex, right? It it doesn't matter whether you're a PhD or a GED. Look, it doesn't matter whether you're going to be rooting in the Super Bowl for the Patriots or for the Falcons, or you're a Cowboys fan who's saying the Super Bowl is irrelevant because the Cowboys aren't playing this year. We love you all here, and we hope that this service will help you uh, to connect with the Lord today. Now, since we're from so many different types of backgrounds, we all have different spiritual needs, and we have a lot of tribal opportunities to connect uh, in classes and groups and tribes of people. That's why we have what's called the tribal menu, and you can grab one of these at the information desk uh, just inside the back room there on your left. And if you look inside here, um, you'll find all different types of groups like Reengage to help you uh, restore your marriage if marriage is hurting. Uh, also, there's a course called Peel the Onion, where you can get to the root hurts and pains in your life. There's Christian Core, an intro to Christian beliefs class you can take. There's also Urban Millennials, a group of 20-somethings that get together and support each other in prayer and eat together and hang out all the time and stay up later than what I can. And then uh, another thing that we say is that tribes eat, right? Uh, When we eat together, we foster a sense of family and community together. And that's why we're gonna have on March the 5th the City Church Downtown Chili Cook-Off, okay? This is a day that I long for. This is a day that I'm excited about because I've tasted some of uh, the fine chili in this church, and so I can see some of you getting fired up right now to make your chili. You can't sign up this week. I know you're excited, but next week you can start signing up. And so next week you sign up and I want the blazing hot chili is what I'm looking for. Uh, So you guys uh, sign up next week to participate in the chili cook-off. Now, another thing I've been asked to remind you guys about is that in order to be good neighbors with some of our restaurant uh, neighbors here like Tony G's, Um, I want to ask you, please don't park in the lot back here unless you're disabled. If you're disabled, you can park back here, uh, but if not, just leave it for uh, the patrons at Tony G's, and then we'll park in our regular lots uh, down here on Commerce uh, and Cherry and also uh, back behind the theater. Now, today's service is going to be very helpful for us because it's going to help us see how we can break the barriers in our lives and get to the next level. Um, You know, my wife and I are in the process in 2017 of breaking a financial barrier in our lives because we ran up some medical debt. Um, We're on a plan right now where we will be completely out of debt in 2017 other than our house payment. So we're excited about that. Yeah. So are there some areas in your life in which you would like to experience a breakthrough, that you want to break through a barrier. And what you got to understand is that God is the God who breaks through barriers. He's not trying to hold you back. He's not trying to press you down, but he's trying to help you break through to the next level in your relationships, in your career, and in your connection with the Holy Spirit of God. And look, some of you are thinking, man, I don't want to get to the end of, near the end of my life and have to tell my kids or my grandkids 
that I just stayed in the same place and I never broke through in my career. I never broke through in my relationships and my connection to God. And so I wanna challenge you today to embrace what we're gonna be showing you today about breaking these barriers. Today, Michelle Jack, our executive pastor, is gonna be bringing a message to show us from the scriptures how we can break these barriers. And so before Michelle comes, I'm gonna have you guys say something to each other, okay? I'm gonna have you turn to someone next to you and tell them, you're thinking to break a barrier, okay? Now, if you're new here, don't say it yet. I know you're excited. But some of you are transplants to Texas, and you're like, what is thinking? <laughs> well, if you're thinking to do something, it means you're about to do it, okay? So this is your first lesson in Texas cultural integration, okay? And so you turn to someone next to you, and you tell them like a Texan, you're thinking to break through a barrier. Go for it. Good morning, City Church downtown. It is so good to see you guys. It's probably been a couple of months since I've been down here with you, and I could not tell you how excited I was when Doug invited me to come and speak to you for the next two weeks. So I know it's been a while, so I want to give you a little bit more information about myself. So I've lived in San Antonio virtually my whole life. I have two siblings. I have an older brother and a younger sister. And we were raised by my mom and come from a strong, big, and very close Hispanic family. Like, my great aunt had 26 children big, and if we lived in a different zip code than grandma, we lived way too far. Now, my husband, he has a younger sister, and he was a military brat, so he has lived all over the world, and he has never lived anywhere for longer than three years, except for after he met me. Now, We've had very different upbringings, and this is totally, like you can totally see it when you look at the way that we interact with our three kids. So for example, when showing affection verbally to our daughter, my husband will say, where's daddy's princess? He says it just like that. Um, and I say, ay, mija linda chula preciosa. But we can both make her melt. Now, when one of our kids gets a cut or a scrape, my husband goes and he gets the first aid kit and he says, come here, let daddy put a bandaid on your boo-boo. And I don't need no first aid kit. I say, sana, sana, colita de rana. <laughs> and I kiss it and I make it all better. Now, when the kids are fighting and acting a fool and my husband comes in to try to intervene, all he has to do is go, hey! And that gets his attention. But when the kids are fighting and acting a fool and I need to take over, I don't need to say anything. I just... <laughs> La chancla. Okay. Now, for those of you that don't know about the chancla, it's what some of us Latina mothers use to show who is really in control. Okay. In all seriousness, I don't use the chancla that much. 
But I do have to confess, I use the look all the time, and I may have used it once or twice on my husband, too. Now, in fairness, he knew what he was getting himself into. The first time we met was in a business meeting where I came to take over something and stop a project from moving forward. It was my job to control the output of things. And still, to this day, he calls me affectionately his spicy Cholula. I think that's his way of saying control freak with a spicy flair. Anybody relate? Come on, ladies, let me see your look. Where is it? Let me see it. Okay, every dude in this room just froze and refused to look at their woman. It's like your worst nightmare. All right, well, I bet whether we want to admit it or not, you can relate because at one time or another, we all try to control things. We try to control our kids because what could they know? They're just kids, right? We try to control our spouse because we need to fix them and our way is better. We try to control our coworkers because we're going to make them not step over us one more time and take advantage of us again. We control our appearance because we are going to make our ex sorry that they ever dumped us. And the list goes on and on. But here's the thing. Needing to be in control of things does not come from a healthy place. Controlling behavior is what is generated in what is called the ego mind. And the way the ego mind functions depends on how it was developed. The ego mind is driven by our need to be safe, and it defines what is safe by what is familiar. It's conditioned by the messages it received during our younger years, which can be problematic because at a very young age, we couldn't determine whether something was good or something was bad. And if we didn't receive the basic needs as kids like being loved, accepted, or validated, as we get older, those needs aren't met, and it can create a sense of emptiness inside, making us feel like something is missing. This is where our ego mind kicks in, and it tries to fill the gap, causing us to micromanage our lives so that everything is familiar, and that creates control. Our experience with control in our younger years has likely become what is familiar to us, so we imitate it. It's the only way that we know how to survive. But here's where the problem comes in. Because we all want a life that is good, where our kids do better than we ever did, where our marriage is the kind that makes other couples jealous, where we can have complete trust in our friends, and we love all the people that we work with, not just some of them. We all want the good life. This is why we try to take control. But trying to control everything is impossible, not to mention exhausting. So please know, I totally understand. Like, I want all of these things too. And I want these things for you as well. This is what City Church wants for you. But what if we are thinking about this all wrong? What if there is a better way to experience the good life without having to hold the chancla? I would like to suggest that there is a better way. And we see this in the life of a man named Joshua, whose story we're going to look at over the next two weeks. Now, Joshua was an incredible warrior. He was a servant to Moses, and Moses was the rock star leader that brought the nation of Israel out of slavery. 
But when Moses died, Joshua was tasked with the very difficult job of taking over several cities that were promised to the Israelites. The thing was, he had to do this on the third day of his new job with an army that didn't have the right weapons, and he literally, and they had all literally been wandering in the desert for 40 years. Talk about drinking from a fire hose. I mean, that was one heck of a first week on the job. But Joshua was up for it. He was holding the chunkla. So the first battle would be at a place called Jericho. So Joshua rallied the troops, and he led them towards the Jordan River. Now Joshua, being a highly experienced soldier, personally went to go and scout out the enemy territory, intending to create a strategy and a battle plan on how they would attack the city. But that all changed. Listen to what happened. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Okay, now let's just imagine for just a second that we're Joshua and we're alone on the outskirts of a city, crawling around to stay out of sight, secretly scouting out the enemy And we look up, and there's this dude holding up a sword, like he's ready to attack us. What kind of instinctive reaction do you think Joshua could have had? He could have gotten ready to fight. He could have gotten ready to run. But he didn't. I mean, it's really interesting to me that instead he asked this dude with the weapon standing over him a question. He asked, are you for us? are for our enemies. You see, before he did anything, he wanted to know, whose side are you on? How many times before we decide to do something for somebody else, do we want to know, are you for me or not? It's a valid question. But look at the answer Joshua got. Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Okay, neither, wait, what? I mean, what is that supposed to mean? I imagine that's not what Joshua was expecting and it's probably not what we would want to hear either. But I would like for us to consider that maybe it's the wrong question. You see, it's never a question on whether or not God is on our side, but whether or not we are on God's side. He was saying, I am not here to take sides. I am here to take over. Guys, did y'all get that? God does not want to take sides. He wants to what? He wants to take over. When your marriage is a wreck and you want to hold tight to the chancla, God is here to? When your kids are succumbing more and more to peer pressure and you're doing everything to try to control them, God wants to? Oh, that's a that poor teen. Is that, God really wants to take over, guys. When the weight of your debt and financial strain is suffocating, God is here to take over. When, you're, when you get a life-altering diagnosis and you're overwhelmed with facing your new future, God is here to take over. 
when your coworker throws you under the bus so they can get ahead. God is not here to take sides. He is here to take over. And so the question is, if God is here to take over, how exactly do we let him? Here's what Joshua did. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, let's imagine that we're Joshua again. Could this maybe have been a little bit confusing? I mean, he's about to go into battle. Lives are on the line. His life is on the line. I imagine that maybe he was hoping for something more like, strike at dawn, or station your army on the left side of the city, or train your troops to get better at hand-to-hand combat. But nope. He said, take off your sandals. Now, why in the world would God say something like that? You see, back in those days, the shoe represented supreme power and possession. A shoe would be removed from a person in order to indicate that he has lost his authority. Removing your shoes meant that you were transferring power. So by Joshua removing his shoes, he was submitting, transferring authority to God, and he was letting God take over. God is telling us how we surrender. In a world where there are way too many variables for us to control and we have the impossible task of keeping it all together and knowing that we really can't, there is someone who can and he wants to take over. It is such great news that our all-knowing, all-powerful and unconditionally, unconditionally loving God does not take sides. He takes over. And when God takes over, things are going to get resolved. It's like when mom walks in the room with the chancla. Things are going to get resolved. And in Joshua's case, God wanted the chancla, and he wanted it quite literally. God wants to take over everything. But here is the hard part. When submission really matters is when it happens with something that you and I care deeply about. When we would normally handle it ourselves because it is that important. God knew how important this was to Joshua. God knew that the Israelites had been wandering in the desert for 40 years. God knew that Moses had just died. God knew that Joshua had been in leadership for all of three days, and that lives were on the line as Joshua prepared to send his men into battle. Joshua surrendered and let God take over something that really mattered. So I have a question. What is that thing for you? What is that thing that matters so much that you have to control it yourself? your teenager who's not making all the right decisions, your spouse and their behavior, an emotional or a physical affair with a coworker, sex outside of marriage, an addiction, an illness, 
your pride, your fear, your anger, your money. After accepting Christ about 10 years ago, I began to purposefully seek to learn more and more about him. I did some major adjustments to my life to get on the right track. I mean, I loved God and he loved me and he did some pretty amazing things early on in our relationship, but I hadn't fully submitted everything. See, I was raised in a fatherless home and I ended up being abused by a trusted male in my family for months. And experiencing that at a very young age created a distorted view in my mind of men, of love, and of sex. And as a young adult, I learned to use sex as power in my relationships. It was what I had learned from my abuser, and it was the way that my ego mind filled in the gaps with something that was familiar. It was my way to control. Now, one day, a couple of years after accepting Christ, I had a defining moment with God. He convicted me so strongly that I was overwhelmed with emotion, and for the very first time, I fell to my knees to pray. I felt God speaking to my spirit, saying, I have great plans for you. I want to give you so much. I want to restore you and make you new, but you have to to let me. You have to surrender everything in your life to me. Do you trust me? You see, I had been what I call a cafeteria Christian, picking and choosing the areas of my life that I would let God in on. I wanted his fullness and all of his mercy and all of his promises, but I didn't want to give up control. But that day, I did. In a defining moment between God and I, I took a vow of abstinence until marriage. This was huge for me at the time because I had never been married and I didn't want to get married. So for me, I had visions of becoming a nun or an old cat lady or something. But that day, I took off my shoes. I surrendered something that really mattered. I surrendered that thing, and I let God take over. And after I did, God blessed me beyond my wildest imagination. He gave me something I didn't even know I wanted. He not only brought me a man that honored my vow of abstinence, He brought me a man that loves me for me, and he loves my son from a previous relationship as his own, and now we have two children together, no cats. (laughs) That is how great our God is. Folks, I want the same thing for you. All you have to do is let go of the chancla. In a minute, we are going to create an environment for you to have your own defining moment with God. So here is what I want you to do. When the song starts, I want you to create some space around you. You can come up front, go to one of the four prayer stations, use the room if you need to. And if you are ready, I'm asking you 
to take off your shoes. Now, whether or not that means literally or metaphorically, that is up to you. But I'm asking you to let go of the chancla and submit that thing. Your teen, your addiction, your marriage, your illness, or maybe for you, it's your life. And today is the day you want to begin a relationship with God. So if you are ready, I'm asking you to pray a prayer out loud or silently like this one with me and allow God to take over. God, I am tired of trying to control whatever that is for you. I believe in you and I trust you. I'm taking off my shoes, surrendering my way, and giving you permission to take over. Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. God, we thank you that you by your spirit have given us the wherewithal to just hand things to you today. And your power is breaking through even as we speak now. God, I thank you for your extreme grace and love and the meticulous detail with which you work out the circumstances of our life to bring us to a place of absolute and complete submission to you, God. And we willingly want you to take over. We don't want to come kicking and screaming, but we want to say, Father, we trust you. And that's why we can hand these things to you. We know that you could take over by force, but that's not the way you roll. You love and you graciously give us opportunities. And we thank you that right now, people all over both of these rooms are breaking through because of the work of your spirit among us. I thank you for a wife right now who just broke through and she's so frustrated because of what her husband's been doing and she's hurt and she's about to give up on it. But you broke through and gave her the courage to continue on and the faith and the wherewithal to continue to pray for and love her husband and that marriage is gonna be saved. I thank you that you just broke through supernaturally with someone whose career was just stalled out and who was frustrated and who's been following you and faithful to you in every facet of their life. But it's like, God, where in the heck are you? And you broke through just now and unleashed huge amounts of blessing in every facet of that life. And Father, I thank you for the way you just broke through for someone who's given their body all over the place, but just now today, you brought them to a new place of submission so that their temple of the Holy Spirit, their body is now forgiven and purified as your child. And I thank you for the hurt and pain that's being healed today in the midst of some. And I thank you for the prayers that are being answered for healing for others. And some have just not had the capacity and the wherewithal and the ability to actually express love because of past wounds. But today you broke through and they're gonna be able to like hug people and mean it. 
And most of all, I thank you for the way that your spirit is drawing people to a relationship with you. That's the greatest miracle among us, Lord, is salvation. And I thank you for the way that you sovereignly work every facet and interaction of our lives so that we can come to faith in you. And if you're one now that has sensed this presence of God among us and you've never had a relationship with God and you never pictured yourself walking into a church anywhere, but for some reason right now you felt you feel drawn, you sense it's more than a feeling and it's more than a thought, but it's a sense that you're being drawn by the most loving person in the entire cosmos. What you call that is the Spirit of God drawing you to salvation. And I want you to pray to Him. I want you to just talk to Him. It doesn't have to sound all religious or Christianese. You can just talk to Him. And I'm gonna feed you some words that you can say in your own heart right now. Just say, hey, look, God, I know I've completely screwed up and I've sinned. But God, right now, the best I can comprehend it, I'm choosing to believe that when Jesus died on the cross, when he suffered and bled there, that he was taking the penalty for my sin. He was my substitute there. And I receive a relationship with you by grace through faith right now. I just believe that he died for me and I receive a relationship with you. And if you just prayed that, I just want you to peek up at me real quick. Just lock eyes with me if you can. Awesome. I'm looking over here to my right, your left. Awesome. Now I'm looking to your right. But yeah, right on, right on. And I'm looking in the back room for some of you and you think I can't see it, but I can. <laughs> yeah, just look right up. I wanna, I wanna share something with you for, I believe is from the Lord and it's from the scriptures. He says, as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God. And when you just prayed just now, you know what you became? A child of God. And you know what that means? All the jacked up, screwed up stuff you've ever done just got forgiven. And all the dysfunction and all the things that you're ashamed of is completely forgiven. And you're now a child of God. And God, for all the good work that you're doing among us, for those who are down just laying out their hearts before you and those who just prayed to become your children, and for those that are receiving from your gracious hand now, we thank you. Why would you be so cool to a group of people like us? Why would you extend your grace to those of us that have screwed up so much? I don't know why, but we'll, we'll straight up take it. <laughs> and we thank you for it, and we praise you for all you're doing among us. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Will you guys go ahead? Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.